1: You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Devall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and, of course, at www.thefireplacechurch.org. Now, I am going to make the announcement again September. September 11th, that's a Sunday, will be the first official Sunday evening service at the Fireplace Church. Daniel, can you give me directions to get to the Fireplace Church? Absolutely. www.thefireplacechurch.org. You can access it from the mall. You can access it from Starbucks. You can access it from your house. You can access it from your boat. You can access it from a train. You could access it from a plane you know you can even get internet on a plane and stream the fireplace church on a plane folks it's awesome there is literally every kind of way to access what has been built it's a platform that is a first of its kind because not only they're streaming a live service which of course has been done before we have integrated Live moderated discussion groups as a component of every service where you get to sit down with other believers from around the world, make some friends, and have a chat. Get fellowship, get community. September 11th, we are launching our Sunday evening service. We are still running Friday evening services every week, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Now, we had an awesome, awesome weekend uh, last weekend with Jeff and Jan Jansen at uh, Global Fire Ministries in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm just very grateful to have had the opportunity to be there. Um, just like I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to be in Australia in the month of July. You know, we're, we're just really excited about every opportunity that we have to see God move. And it was really cool. Um, there was an impartation on Sunday when we were in Tennessee. A lot of people received upgrades in their space spiritual armor. Super exciting. So, I am uh, really encouraged, looking forward. Um, There's a lot of things coming up. I'll actually be back in Tennessee, it looks like, in the month of November. There'll be more updates to follow on that. And also, it looks like we will be doing a conference in Adelaide, Australia, early spring of 2017. Of course... We are continuing to press forward with all of the other areas of our agenda at Bride Ministries where we are wanting to help more survivors and folks. Let me tell you something. We have a lot of people on our Bride DID coach waiting list. Um, we are running an internet-based church. This ministry now employs uh, individuals. We also have contractors because we pay people to Give survivors that cannot afford help the help that is going to take them into healing and deliverance and liberty in Jesus Christ. Folks, um, we can only do as much as our budget permits. We are partnering with Jesus. We believe that he is providing our every need. But I want to tell you what. There are like 30 people on our waiting list. And um, we want to help them all. In order to help them, we're going to have to do several things. One, we need a bigger uh, fund. (laughs) Two, we need to build a school and train people. Um, Three, we need to expand our team of DID coaches. We're working on all of those. Uh, We're we're in the process of adding another coach to our team. Um, We are looking at beginning to outline the modules. We have a plan for how we are actually going to execute the DID coaching school. We are drawing this all up now so we can train people. And of course we're telling you there's a lot of survivors and the bigger our budget gets at bride ministries, the more we will be able to help right here, right now in the immediate future. Folks, let me tell you something. Um, There's a lot going on at bride ministries. It costs also to run that e church. I mean, I'm telling you, we're just spending money in a lot of ways now, but it's, it's, amazing to see what the lord is doing. And if you want to be part of that, I just want to encourage you. Donate buttons at thefireplacechurch.org. There's a donate button at bridemovement.com and you can get on board with us. Also, you can write us at PO box 362-Texas 75569. Um I just want to say thank you to all of you that have been on board with us financially. All of you that have been responding to us. You you guys have been really, really awesome. You guys have helped us in... um, arriving where we're at now and we only see uh, endless boundless horizons before us folks and so thank you for those of you that have been and continue to partner with us you are just absolutely spectacular and um, for those of you that have said you know i really really am on board with everything you guys are doing at bride ministries but i've never considered getting on board with us financially i want to encourage you look there's a lot happening this is a field That can be seeded where (laughs) there is definitely a fruitful guaranteed return because we are helping real people. Now, today we're going to be getting into it with Dr. Rob Rucker talking about ministry to the human spirit. Something that we are um, definitely interested in at bride ministries something that those that work with us well they're getting this and something that we want to equip the body of Christ with at large with an ability to understand, comprehend and and execute and therefore we're we're getting into the how and why of ministry to the human spirit. It's going to be really exciting. don't go anywhere. you're listening to discovering the truth with the end of all. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and today we are going to have a really, really awesome program for you. And I'm going to tell you why, because I have my good friend, Dr. Rob Ruckert, with me again. And he doesn't really need much of an introduction at this point. He is on our Bride DID Coach list. He is working with a lot of survivors right now, um, helping them to find victory in Jesus Christ. He's been on my program a number of times, not only to talk about ministry and what he does um, when working with survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas, but also to give us his testimony—the things that he has seen and experienced and learned as he himself has recovered from satanic ritual abuse and the cult that he was born into. Folks, uh, he's an incredible man of God. Someone I love and respect dearly rob welcome back to discovering the truth with dan Duvall. hey dan it's great to be
2: back on here and excited about it, doing another programming hopefully clarifying some things some of the mechanics of how to actually minister to the human spirit
1: that's exactly what we're here for rob we are here to talk about how to minister to the human spirit now folks we get a lot of emails um and we get a lot of questions across the board. I mean, we just get a lot. And I, my my, my poor administrative assistant, Nikki, and now Sally, uh, they, they just do their best. And <laughs> man, are they doing a good job. But, but we get a lot of questions specifically on this subject. Daniel, we've heard you talk about the human spirit. We've heard Rob talk about the human spirit. How do you actually minister to the human spirit? Because we want it. We get a lot of that. And... You know, I I just felt it's time. We have to do a program where we just answer the questions. Practically speaking, Rob cannot minister to every one of you that would like to um, engage him, write to him. Uh, I cannot minister to every one of you that would like to sit down and have a one-on-one session with me. It's just not possible. And So what we can do, though, is give you tools. We can actually tell you how it's done. We can give you equipping, and um, we can bless you in the name of Jesus. And so that's what we're here to do. And, you know, Rob, I'm going to just get started with this for those that may have not heard some of the programs that we've done in the past together or that maybe I've made, you know, I've done where I've referenced ministry to the human spirit. First of all, can you explain what it means to have a human spirit? Okay. Well, it's pretty clear to me, at least, that we
2: as persons, human beings, are made up of three separate parts, spirit, soul, and body. And again, one of the scriptures that really backs this up is 1 Thessalonians five twenty-three, which states, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ so so we see here that there is a a clear that our soul and spirit are not the same thing some people believe they are they kind of use them interchangeably but actually they are separate how uh, I don't really have a great word for it separate parts of our humanity and The spirit itself is that that eternal part of our nature, that that God, even before the foundation of the world, that he was able to think that into existence, that that our spirits were created. I don't know, our spirits were were at least, if not created, they were in the heart and mind of God before creation. And, And so our spirit, if you want me to be really specific in breaking down the mechanics of it, I believe our spirit has a mind, will, and emotions. By mind, I mean cognition, memory. It has an ability to feel, and our spirit has an ability to have will. It can make choices. Our soul has been described as mind, will, and emotions as well, but there's two separate tracks, so to speak. The spirit has its own separate mind, will and emotion. The soul has its own separate mind, will of emotions. But this, I can go into a a few more of the details later, but our soul though is dependent upon the brain and the body in order to, to be conscious. So if you're under anesthesia or you're asleep, and your soul is not aware, it's not conscious. Whereas their spirit, it can interact with our body and brain, but it's not dependent upon it. And we see this very clearly in near-death experiences where the spirit leaves. Somebody might, doctors may be working feverishly to get the person revived, and the spirit leaves. The spirit looks back, sees all the doctors and nurses going crazy, trying to revive that person. And then the, the spirit goes to, to heaven meets Jesus, may meet a, a relative or something like that, and the experience is one of just complete, inexpressible love, unconditional love. There's the beauty of it is just it's more real than this world, and so there's feel so there's feelings. the The spirit has feelings, and then the spirit has a will. The spirit wants to say, I, "Yeah, I want to stay. I don't want to, I don't want to leave this place." I want to go to the heavenly city. I want to be with Jesus. And and then after a little while, either the Lord or one of his messengers says, hey, you've got more work to do. You've got to go back. And so the spirit goes back, sees his body again, goes back into the body. That person is able to remember that experience. Can, there's been thousands upon thousands of near-death experiences classified, and How would they remember that? Well, the soul is unconscious. It has to be the spirit. So the spirit has memory. The spirit has emotions. The spirit can feel, wow, I feel unconditional love in this place, such incredible love, and the spirit has will. It can decide, hey, I want to stay here. I really don't want to go back. So so the spirit uh, is in that way similar to the soul, but it has a separate consciousness, a separate will, a separate group of
1: emotions that can be lined up with the soul or it can be in conflict with the soul. Amen. That's that's it exactly. And folks, this is the thing that we're realizing as we get into a lot of these things, you know, and, and I know that I've been realizing this more and more over the past year, the spirit and the soul have what, rob described as different consciousnesses you could just think of it as minds there are different trains of thought that come through the spirit and come through the soul and the spirit requires ministry just like the soul and this takes a lot of people by surprise because well there's certain teachings out there that would suggest that the human spirit is simply perfected upon the moment of salvation Um, So if we believe that the human spirit is perfect upon the moment of salvation, there's nothing else that God's going to do. Everything about the spirit has been handled. The moment that person comes to Jesus, there's really no room for a conversation on ministry to a human spirit. So my next uh, question for you uh, as we're walking into this subject is, is the human spirit just perfectly done and dealt with upon the moment of salvation or not? And why? Yeah, I, I really
2: do not believe that the Spirit is sinless, uh, perfect, at the moment of salvation. And again, really, a couple of scriptures I've already shared, 1 Thessalonians five twenty three, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a sense that spirit, soul, and body are all in the process of sanctification. Another really good scripture related to this is clear. I, th-
1: I think you're going to second Corinthians seven one. Yes. Second Corinthians seven one. Oh man.
2: Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So who is, Paul addressing here, he's addressing the the Christians in Corinth, and he says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Why didn't he say body and soul? Uh, I mean, if the spirit is not able to be contaminated or defiled, if it is already perfected in holiness, then... Paul must have really screwed up here. So, so, the Spirit, I believe, yes, at the moment of salvation, we are given, we become a new creation, which means that the Holy Spirit now dwells within us in our temple of our human spirit. Also, uh, we are, in, in the eyes of God, legally declared not guilty. We're forgiven of our sins, and so, in a legal sense, we already are perfect, but we are working out our salvation in fear and trembling. And I believe that involves spirit and soul. And those are the main scriptures for that. I think, I think that really makes it pretty clear that that our human spirit can still be defiled, can still be contaminated, can still make wrong choices.
1: Mm. It's so true. And the the reality, Rob, is that as we begin to engage this, this level of ministry, this is really changing and shifting the way the body of Christ will be able to operate. Because when the human spirit gets ministered to, it actually fundamentally changes the way a person is able to engage the resources of God, the power of God. It even assists in a journey of inner healing, deliverance. Uh, It it assists the soul in coming to a place of personal wholeness. You know, when I realized, and I really learned this from you, that the spirit can minister to the soul when the spirit is strong and empowered, it shifts all kinds of things. Um, I want to just let you talk a little bit at this point about your journey with your spirit, how your spirit assisted you in your journey to healing and wholeness and, and and how that was a revolution in your life.
2: Yeah. I I got to say I was in a real dark place in my life. This is going back to March of 2005 and at that time I was just crying out to God uh, because on my journey of working through SRADID it seemed like I was getting more and more in touch with memories and body memories and the more that was happening the more i was feeling tormented i felt hopeless despair i felt dread uh, and it was just awful and and at that time uh, i i had a uh, i just asked my chiropractor he, he's a, good friend of mine. And he, I said, can you pray for the Lord to show you something? And God showed him like this, this cone, this funnel. And I was going into it and it was like darker and darker. And the the light of God was all around it. And he just shared with me basically that image. And I said to him, do you feel like my going into the funnel is a good thing or a bad thing? And he felt like it was bad and that, that confirmed what I felt because my interpretation was it was that I was continuing to go into the, these dark memories in the soul uh, and that God was wanting to do it in a different way it, where the light was, which was in my spirit. I was just starting to hear about and, and learn about ministry to the human spirit at that time. With Arthur Burke, so I knew that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna email him, and I said, you know, here's a deal. I'm an idea. I'm willing to be a guinea pig. You know, just show me. Uh, you know, just are you willing to minister to me? And he said he personally didn't have the time, but he he referred me to a, a woman minister. Uh, her name was Isla, and. So the I remember the very first time that I got my spirit ministered to, what she did, and this is step number one, is to engage the spirit. In other words, there are people before this who have prayed for my spirit, people who who have lifted up. Oh, I pray for Rob's spirit to da 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 da, so on and so forth. But she directly said first. He said first to your soul. You're used to being in charge. You're used to all of that, but I want you to make a commitment. I want you to step aside and, in my words, chill out and allow your spirit to come forward and just to observe. So she was very clear about what to do with the soul. So often, I mean, after a while in ministry, you don't have to do all of these things, but that would be the step one of engaging the spirit. Just really asking the soul Or if you're dealing with DID, dissociative identity disorder, asking the various parts of the the soul to step aside so that the spirit can come forward. And then she just said, Rob, uh, I just want to invite your spirit to come all the way to the front in Jesus' name. I'd like to to talk with your spirit. Uh, Can you do that? And at first it felt my spirit really felt faint. Very few people feel like an intense sense of their spirit on at the first time that their spirit is engaged. In mine, again, it was faint. It felt like it was way at the back of a corridor. But after a f- couple of times of engaging my spirit in that way, my spirit was able to actually gained the courage to begin to walk down that corridor it seemed like a long corridor all the way to the front and More and more I could feel uh, Every time she engaged my spirit. I could feel the presence of my spirit became more tangible more pow- powerful so that by Probably by the our third session I could just all, even before she started saying i call your spirit up," i all of a sudden felt this presence this presence in me go up up from like the the area of my chest and abdomen up and then out felt that's what that's the kind of motion that i felt some people feel just their spirit coming out or some people see it some people just have a sense it's there for me i had a tangible sense That some other presence, other than my soul, was coming up and out, and that that is really basically the first step in the process. And again, usually it takes a few times for a person's spirit to trust enough to be able to come forward. But but about you know in about two, three, four. Sessions of just engaging the spirit. You should make contact. Yeah, there there are going to be cases of people who are very hard And I've had people that you know it, It where it took months to try to engage their spirit and they it was still really really faint because of the just the brokenness there and the Just the blocks and all of that, but on the whole that's pretty much what it should look like you know that so if it doesn't come up the first time the person doesn't feel it or see it or sense it don't get discouraged just know that it's a normal thing that you probably need to engage a few times before that person will sense anything and at that point that person will either sense see or feel some kind of presence that is tangibly different than the feeling of the soul So that was how my journey began, boy, about 11 years ago.
1: Mm. You know, and it was really interesting for me because on my journey, I didn't quite understand this at first. And so I would always, as I began to help survivors, talk to people's parts. But I I met a few individuals who, um, as I was working through things, had what I perceived as parts coming forward saying I'm so-and-so's spirit. I met Rob's spirit. Um, Other people that I work with, they came forward and said, I am so-and-so's spirit. And I was like, huh, okay, if that's how you identify, that's fine. Then I began to understand that, you know, it might be easier for people that have dissociative identity disorder and are comfortable dissociating into other parts. To make room for their spirit to come forward and engage, but then I said, "Well, that's not even realistic. Every Christian has a spirit, and every believer can learn to get their soul out of the way, so that their spirit can come forward." Then later on, um, in the fall of last year, I, I met my own spirit, and I just did the same thing. I didn't have someone engaging him. I and and folks, you know, this is something that I tell people. It's like. Um, if your spirit isn't hiding in a corridor very, very uh, afraid, you can ask them to just come forward and invite them to the surface. Say, you know, uh, if your name's Ellen. um, Ellen's spirit, I'm giving you room and permission. I invite you to come to the surface or the front and introduce yourself. It may work. It worked for me. Um, And what you said, Rob, is so key because we're talking about how people... Can engage the human spirit in a, in, a, in a way that will allow ministry to take place and, and so what you're saying is the first step is in fact engaging the human spirit on purpose am i right that is correct mm. you know
2: say you're in a room of people and and everybody there prays about you but never actually acknowledges you or engages you or says hey Daniel uh, how you doing today? Uh, we'd really like to pray for you. So it's interesting that some things in terms of the Spirit do not happen unless the Spirit is directly engaged. It, so in other words, you can pray for things, but it, God hears those prayers, but there's something powerful about it, tangibly... Asking the spirit and talking to the spirit directly and That is in itself is huge and can really uh, Imagine not being acknowledged for years and years and years and years It, it can be something that Really the spirit is like wow that person notices me and and I found Yeah, there's some fear at the beginning some trust issues but I found the spirit really responds to that when somebody recognizes him or her and just says, hey, I, I want to talk to you. Uh, I, I, I know you're there, and I just want to have a conversation and get to know you better.
1: Okay, let me just uh, ask this question. Okay, because I, I I heard you use the word the front, come to the front. I use the same word too, surface. Surface, um, yeah. What, do, what does that type of terminology... Mean from a practical standpoint, Rob?
2: Well, it's very similar to working with Disassociative Identity Disorder. Oftentimes we ask a part or parts to come just below the surface. They can do that and speak through the presenting personality. Or sometimes they just come right up and come all the way to the surface and they take control and, and speak directly. So what we're asking is the spirit to, for the soul to come out of the, the driver's seat and to stand aside and for the spirit to come forward so that we're speaking directly to the human spirit. The spirit is right there and we can have a dialogue, we can have a conversation, we can have a heart-to-heart. And it's as simple as that. It's That is not
1: complicated. It really is as simple as just inviting them to come to the surface. Amen. And you know, one of the uh, illustrations that I like to use to help people to understand how this works, that are not familiar with the conversation on dissociation parts, or even this conversation that we're having about the human spirit. Um, You can think about the human body, the physical body, like an airplane. Um, And there's a cockpit, in that airplane and usually there's a pilot in the cockpit if there's no pilot you have really big problems usually the pilot is part of the soul or the whole soul if the whole is, soul isn't fragmented per se um and uh behind that pilot you will have doors to the to the rest of the plane and and it blocks off the cockpit from the cabin and um when you get into the cabin you'll find that you have the hostesses um, flight attendants. You know you will have first class section. Then going back from that, you'll have the uh, rest of the passengers on the airplane, as well as some bathrooms or laboratories. Those will have locks on them, so things can be locked in to the bathroom. Um, oftentimes, you'll even have luggage that's not even in that area of accessibility. It's not accessible from on the airline craft. It's just, but. Um, that kind of illustrates uh, to a degree what you're dealing with with dissociation. And um, the person that's flying the plane in the cockpit may may or may not know about who is on the plane. They might not know how many people are on the plane or what they look like or their attitudes or temperaments or personalities, whatever. But if one of those people on the airplane walks to the front – knocks on the door, opens the door to the cockpit and introduces themselves to the pilot or even sits down in the co-pilot chair, there is a conscious awareness of that person. And that's what it can be like for a person with DID to encounter their parts. It's like there, there is another personality coming forward with another set of thoughts, feelings, belief systems, whatever. And it would be like the same with the spirit, that the spirit can come out of the plane to the front sit down in the pilot or co-pilot chair and begin to engage with the controls and um, then get out of that chair and go back, and close the door. And so uh, for, for people that are not familiar, um, I, I have found that this illustration helps to kind of get a mental picture of what we are describing. Yeah, Daniel,
2: I, I really like your... Word picture, your illustration, I, I think it really explains the situation of really well in terms of how the process works, whether it's with a part of the
1: soul or with the spirit. Really good. Now, I want to get into the facets of the human spirit. Now, um, this is something I think that is incredibly key. It's a huge component of how a ministry to the human spirit is actually accomplished. If this isn't understood, I think the best that we get is an incomplete ministry to the human spirit, because I could talk to a person's uh, quote-unquote spirit all day long, like Dave's spirit or Rob's spirit or Daniel's spirit, but if one of the facets isn't aligned properly or broken out of a captivity they may be in, or just simply left in a state of weakness, it's almost like it'll stay that way until addressed for what it is. Um, What are the facets of the human spirit? Well, again, we need to look at Romans chapter 12,
2: verses 6 through 8, where we see the seven... Motivational gifts, or gifts, or redemptive gifts—they've been called both—and basically, and we've talked about the three different categories of gifts before, but just to briefly, you know, go over that again, that territory. Those seven redemptive gifts are pre-wired into a person. It relates to their design, and they are given by the Father God. They're gifts of the Father. And believers, non-believers, everyone has a, a dominant redemptive gift. Mine, again, is mercy, and King David was a mercy. And so, that is, are, that's the redemptive gifts. The The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to believers only who have the holy spirit and there they are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then we have and they are given yeah by the holy spirit then we have in Ephesians chapter 4 the leadership offices which are given by Jesus the ascended Jesus to men and women in order to lead and equip and train the body of Christ and of course that's the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher so you see how they're broken out there they're not just all lumped together into a, this kind of soup so in our spirit our spirit reflects the sevenfold nature of God we see even in Revelation it talks about the seven spirits of God that doesn't mean there's seven Holy Spirits it's saying that there's a sevenfold nature of God we you can check out Isaiah chapter 11 which talks about and I don't I don't have this memorized but the spirit the spirit of the Lord the spirit of might and power the spirit of wisdom and knowledge the spirit of counsel and the fear of the Lord I think I got it so that you'll you'll see that there's seven there that's the sevenfold nature of God and that sevenfold nature of God is reflected in our human spirits, which are made in the image of God. And those seven being that all of us have these portions in our spirit of prophet, servant, teacher, exhorter, giver, ruler, and mercy, with one seeming to be dominant over the others uh, in terms of that person's makeup. So when when we minister the spirit yes definitely do it work with the spirit as a whole especially on the front end i want to legitimize the spirit i want to show the spirit that the spirit is made out of the same essence of god the light of god that the spirit is valuable that the spirit is also the has the is the dwelling place for the spirit of the living god and all these things you can legitimize the Spirit, cause the Spirit to discover who she or he is in Christ. That's part of the engaging of the Spirit. The next step is to legitimize the Spirit and help the Spirit to become aware of who and she, she or he actually is. But then, eventually, we want to get more precise. And so we will begin to work with the whole Spirit as a whole. And I'm going to tell you how I start. I will do a roll call. And again, I I don't usually do this until I've gotten the spirit to a point where it's more comfortable with me. And now there's always exceptions. Sometimes you go right into things and the spirit, God's spirit is just going to, you know, there's always exceptions. But generally, I'll eventually get there and I'm going to do something that I call a roll call. And I'm just going to ask and say to the person's spirit, I'll go one gift at a time. I'll say, prophet, can you, can you come out now and, and just let, let us know if you're present or not. And if so, how strong is that presence? So the prophet might come out and say, okay, Definitely present, definitely here, but the strength is about a three. It's kind of on the weak side. And then I'll go through servant, teacher, etc., and just say with servant, it's the person doesn't feel anything. So then I'll ask, and if I have another portion of the spirit that I can work with to help me, I could ask prophet to say, okay, can you, can you be eyes and ears for me? Uh, servant, is this because you are not wanting to come forward? In other words, the servant might be scared, the servant might be in hiding, or is it because you cannot come forward? In other words, a portion of the spirit that is in captivity, spiritual captivity. So, that, so you might find servant says, well, I just don't want to come forward. Uh, So then, in that case, you you may need to do some more affirmation, some more legitimizing, some more building trust there until that portion of the spirit is ready to come forward. If the portion of the spirit is in captivity, then we've got to find out how that happened, what was the origin, source, and beginning of how that happened, what was the open door, then uh, sometimes we can just rescue the spirit just by dealing with that. Other times we need to go to, go to that place of captivity and there has been some kind of covenant or agreement made with a higher level evil cosmic being that needs to be broken, that needs to be renounced, that needs to be dealt with before that portion of the Spirit can be rescued and brought back into where the rest of the Spirit is. So you've got... you go through all seven portions and that what that does is gives me a picture. It's like taking an X-ray or an MRI. I'll get a picture of, of what is happening in the Spirit at this time. What portions are present what portions are not present? What portions are strong? What portions are weak? What portions are divided against one another? There can be divisions between different portions of the spirit. And you eventually get a picture. Now, I I do need to say that it is a little more tricky to identify the voice of the different portions of the spirit than just the spirit itself. And many people will say to me, well okay i'm calling exhorter for it they'll say well how do i know it's exhorter i don't really know what does the exhorter do what is the exhorter like and i always say that portion of the spirit knows who he or she is i don't have to the soul may like to know and i do explain it for the soul to know but that portion of the spirit they know if you're exhorter or ruler or mercy or whatever they will respond and there will be a different and when you get to know the redemptive gifts better you will have the flavor of each one will be very clear it may take a little time you have to do some studying of the redemptive gifts and again uh arthur burke cite he is redemptive gifts of individuals just just be able to uh, get that knowledge in your back pocket and you can minister to the different portions of the spirit But that's how I start. And then we get into, I might want to work with the strongest portion first to get that strong, so I have an ally. In other words, I've got a resource. Say somebody's profit is is real strong and I just work with the profit a few times and that profit is now like an eight or nine. So then I can use the profit to help me to identify and to deal with the other portions. And basically ministering to the, the spirit is a lot like ministering the soul in terms of needing inner healing for brokenness, spirit wounds in terms of deliverance being delivered from lower-level demons to high-level cosmic beings and just as within DID there can be conflicts within the soul level, inner, inner conflicts same with the spirit. Not with everybody, but some people's spirit, there can be conflicts between different portions that need to have that worked out. But the work can be very similar in that way uh, to a work with DID, in that you have those same foundational principles that I work with the soul as with the spirit. So that that's just a little bit about how I begin. It takes practice. It takes doing it over and over to get better and better and better but that's how i do it and then from time to time i will do roll calls again you know not not every session but i'll check in and see where the spirit is and i will stop there because there, there, there's more to it but i'll let daniel ask the next question
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh there is so much to it yes. you know yes. Folks, we're we're doing this program because you've been asking the questions, and we're trying to give you the answers. Now, nothing can really be oversimplified. I think the moment you begin to oversimplify anything, that's when you run into problems because you create an artificial box that God didn't ordain, and it keeps people out that could otherwise have a breakthrough simply because their breakthrough doesn't fit into the box. Um... We have found a lot of things. I know for me, I have found portions of people's spirits with Lucifer, with Abaddon, with Kronos. Um, and guess what? They were Christian. That's the thing. They're working with me because they are believing in Jesus, because they've surrendered their lives to Jesus, at least as much as they know how, and they are wanting help. Yet they are in bondage and captivity. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 61, he came to open the prison doors. To them which are bound. In order to understand what this means, you have to realize that not everybody that gets locked up in a physical prison gets out of physical prison because they believe in Jesus. Therefore, this passage is not specifically referring to physical prisons, it's referring to prisons of any kind prisons of the mind, prisons of the spirit. Prisons are realms of captivity. When we understand that, we see why. Uh, portions of people's spirits can be in bondage in various areas of captivity, um, or the soul, or both. It's and it and it happens all the time. And this is where a lot of the challenges do come in with ministry to the human spirit, because sometimes you just you know think you're going to have a casual encounter, like all right, I'm going to call your spirit forward. Um, not so. You're going to have to get into some major warfare in order to minister to that person's spirit at all. Um, And and there's a lot of uh, minutiae around this. And and I know Rob's encountered it. I've encountered it. However, on on the front end, what we're telling you folks is that, one, you engage the spirit or try. (laughs) And two, after you have engaged the spirit, you can engage the facets of the spirit, which are found in Romans chapter 12. Now, um... Rob, I, I want to uh, kind of pause here and um, g- come back around to the idea of, okay, um, you know, what is the the, the difference between, say, um, blessing a person's spirit just with Scripture alone and, say, um, blessing them with prophetic words and gifts of the Spirit flowing through you. How do you alternate between those two strategies to uh, empower someone's spirit through ministry? Well, both ways are really good.
2: To be able to use the Word of God, to use Scripture and, and speak that to the Spirit is very powerful. And that is also a good way to start the process is just ask the Lord to give you a few scriptures and then speak that over the person's spirit. Invite, Engage the spirit, ask the spirit to come up, and then you can actually say, Spirit, you know, the Lord gave me a couple of scriptures for you, and then you read them, and that's powerful. Uh, I think in terms of getting Rhema words for the spirit is also very powerful in terms of when you sense God gives you a, a vision or or a word, just like you would prophesy over someone else or speak that vision out, you do the same for the spirit. And, you know, that can be really, really, really powerful. I, I think I've shared the story before of, a, of the spirit of a woman who's who was all, it was all crunch, she was all crunched over, shriveled up, huddled up in a ball in the the corner of a dark room. And that was the posture of her spirit. I could see that. So I was able to speak it out. I said, you know, I see your spirit. It's in the corner. I went through that. I said, then I checked. I said, is that correct? And the person responded, yes. So then I was able to I asked the Lord, what do you want to do now? And He said, the first thing was for that person to just, uh, for us to invite Jesus and for that person just to look up. And so I invited the Spirit to look up. And that was a little, that was scary, but it was able to see Jesus. And we went on from there to standing up, to reaching out to Jesus, to eventually embracing Him uh, over time. So the Lord in that case gave me a very cle- gave me very clear visions of where the spirit was at in terms of and where how the spirit was responding to to those invitations and so therefore that that, that can be very very powerful and we do that for the different portions as well if you don't see something that doesn't mean If you sense something, you can still just say, I sense this, and just check it out first, though. Don't assume. Say, does that feel right? Spirit, does that feel right to you? Or mercy, does that feel right to you? Just like you would check it out with a part of the soul. So it's very similar in doing that with the spirit or a portion of the spirit.
1: Mm. Amen. Now, I want to take a moment and, and talk about the interface between the soul and the spirit. Uh, because this is really, really key and another component of ministering to the human spirit I have found that absolutely needs to be addressed. because sometimes people's spirits are around are not around, not because they don't want to be or not even necessarily because they feel weak per se, but because there is a portion of the soul or the soul itself that is so strong and so overbearing, it completely blocks the spirit and rejects the spirit, I've found that there can be cases where a person's soul absolutely does not trust the person's spirit. They don't trust the judgment calls, per se, of the spirit because, like we said before early on, the spirit has one track of thought and the soul has a different track of thought. Sometimes the soul feels um, abandoned because during a time of trauma, the spirit may have Left or gone wandering and the soul had to stick around and suffer horrible abuse or pain and felt, feels later on in life that the spirit simply doesn't have the right to be involved or engaged in that person's life. Um, you know, one of the interesting stories I find in the book of uh, Judges is Samson, when he fought off the Philistines, with the with the jawbone of a donkey he killed a thousand men with this jawbone and then he becomes thirsty he cries out to the lord and so the lord in verse 19 splits a hollow place and water comes out he drinks it and the bible says his spirit returns which gives us the understanding that sometimes during a state of physical trauma the body is really being challenged Uh, for whatever reason here it was thirst and exhaustion the spirit will leave and then come back well Rob I want to give you some time to comment on some of the conflicts you've seen between the soul and the spirit and how this can play into the ministry that's required
2: yeah and also remember the story with Jonathan where he didn't hear his dad King Saul said well you you can't eat until sundown or whatever it was and and then he ate of the honey And it said his spirit was revived. In that case, you know, his spirit was kind of, you know, just tired, I guess. And that revived his spirit. It didn't say his body was revived. I mean, his body was revived too, but his spirit also. So I've seen a lot in terms of the spirit-soul interface. And the fact is, uh, with the vast majority of people, you're going to have, when you start working with the spirit, you're going to have a jockeying for control uh, for, for a while, because the majority of the people, their soul has been used to being in charge, used to being in the driver's seat, leading the way with their spirit either in the background or, or even more distant. Because of wounding and other issues, the souls had to take charge, like Daniel said. And so, Therefore, you start to get the spirit stronger, healthier, uh, present. And you, one big principle that I share with the spirit is that you were meant to be in charge. You were meant to, be, to have dominion over the soul and over the body. That w- life works much better when it's worked in terms of God's order. That the spirit empowered by the Holy Spirit under the authority of Jesus Christ is to rule lovingly over the soul and the body. But the, if the soul has gotten strong and all, over all these years and is used to running life, it's not going to be easy to abdicate that role. And there is usually some conflict until... The soul is eventually convinced that it will be better for the soul if the spirit's in charge than if he's running or she is running the show. That may take some time. I might have to keep on reiterating soul or parts of the soul, if you have a whole system, it will go better for you. Your healing will come faster if you lay down your control and allow the spirit to be in the driver's seat. So, you know i've seen in uh, in a number of ways this happen i i remember one day i was just angry and my soul was just really ticked off and my soul said i i'm i'm not leaving i am staying here i don't care i'm i'm just going to sit in the driver's seat I'm angry this is the way I want to deal with things and I'm not gonna let the spirit in you know mr. tough guy and and my my spirit allowed him to do that Uh, and you see there was a there was a conflict there and we needed to to work through the anger and to bring the soul to a place where my soul could see, okay, it's going to be better if if he steps back and allows the spirit to deal with these things that were upsetting me. I've seen this in other people. Uh, also, I did see uh, one woman, uh, her soul was so pissed off at her spirit when we started going through some womb stuff and where the spirit was just, I don't want to live this life, I don't want to live, and the spirit... Escaped and then went into captivity, spiritual captivity, and the soul was like, why would I want you to be in charge now when you split, when you left me alone, when you abandoned me? And and I had to let the soul vent until the, the soul was basically able to forgive the spirit and allow the spirit to come forward. So you might need to deal with those conflicts uh, in in the interface. It's not always like the soul's like, yeah, the spirit's back. Great to see you. So glad you're back. I've been waiting, and I know things are going to be great with you in charge. Here is the throne. Here is the driver's seat. Go ahead. Usually there is some conflict between the wills of soul and spirit, and that just has to be worked through. You just have to talk it through. Pray it through until, and it's usually a gradual process. Before finally, the soul's like, you know what? Here's the seed spirit. I I trust that it's going to be better. If you're in charge,
1: Th- that is so true, Rob. Uh, oh man. <laughs> and you know what? I you, you do this ministry long enough, you see it. You just see it over and over again. Um, or and it can even be with the portions of the spirit. Like I have seen where. You know, in one case, there was a part of that person's soul that had taken the role of the ruler, whereas ruler is one of the redemptive gifts. Well, their ruler facet of their spirit had absolutely no permission to get anywhere near that throne because the soul or portion of the soul, because this person had DID, was just not, not having it. Like, you are the worst <laughs> mm. ruler portion of the spirit. You have absolutely no right to be here. I, I, I can't stand you for what you did. Um, it just absolutely felt total betrayal. And you know that this this... It's a hidden root of self-rejection, actually, which is always a backdoor to the enemy's works in a person's life. So it's it's amazing how conflict between soul and spirit, as long as the devil can maintain that hidden bondage, actually gives him certain degrees of backdoors into people's lives. It's it's just um, really unfortunate. But as we grow and we learn and we figure us all, all this stuff out, we're able to resolve it. Um, I, and, and, you know, one of the other things that I've seen is that certain demonic attachments in a person's life can block their ability to connect with the spirit. I've seen it where I, I call the spirit forward, and I'll, I'll give you a chance to comment on this, and it's like, I don't hear anything. And, you know, we try a couple different angles, and it's like, nope, don't don't hear anything. And then, like, in one case, we were able to identify like a joker-type spirit. It, it was just, there was, it was like um, trying to um, you know, push water th- through a completely clogged faucet. There was just no, but but once we identified like a joker spirit, it was able to be dealt with in the name of Jesus, and suddenly there's a huge breakthrough in ability to connect with the human spirit. Um, in another case, it was some kind of bat-like creature that had been with the person since childhood, and when we dealt with that, they were able to connect with the spirit. Until then, it was, it was just dead air, radio silence, static. Um, Have you encountered this where you've had to deal with like, you know a demonic uh, Oppression or some kind of thing before the person's able to connect with their spirit and hear their spirit and so forth Yeah, there's a whole lot of things that
2: can happen here. I've seen where I've addressed a Portion of the spirit or uh, and there has been a cap on that portion like a spiritual cap so therefore I was not able to hear anything or or connect with it because the enemy put this uh, this demonic device over that portion of the spirit. I've also ran into counterfeit portions of the spirit where where the enemy has through programming inserted just like they can insert alter personalities into a system. I've seen portions of a spirit, which are synthetic, not not really human, inserted into the spirit. How do you tell? That that's an issue of discernment. Eventually, you'll be able to feel the humanness versus the clinical, cold mechanicalness of something that is inserted in. So that there's that. There can be, uh, again, a demonic force between that portion of the spirit and you that is blocking a whole bunch of, there can be other reasons just that the spirit doesn't want to come out that we might need to discern. And it gets more tricky and complicated. It might sound like, wow, this is is, uh, really hard and and it is sometimes really hard, but, it, but <laughs> <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> no, let's just be real. <laughs> yeah, let's be real, because sometimes I even at, even after more and more experience, it's so, that discernment is like you're still like, what is going on here, you know, and trying to really dial down to to what's why there isn't contact or or what is happening. So you just eventually, it's really good. I, I love if I can have somebody who really sees well in the spiritual realm to join me, but a lot. Most of what I do is still alone. And you just have to just exercise your spiritual senses. Just like you're going to the gym, you exercise your muscles. They'll just get stronger as you go along, and you, you will begin to discern, and the Holy Spirit will teach you new things and that you know you discover in, in this work. So, yes, I, I have experienced that, and it's just some, another hurdle. Sometimes you have to go get past in order to get all the spirits strong and
1: whole. Exactly. There's, there's, there's a, you know, there's a lot that goes around this subject, folks. You may not realize, uh, it, 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 it's not as straightforward as one might think. Um, and it's nice when it can be. And for some people it is straightforward. It's literally the spirit gets called forward, engaged, blessed, Um, Then you begin to go through the facets, call them forward individually. Rob asks for strength levels. How strong are you? Uh, Bless all of those and begin to work with those portions of the spirit, encourage those portions of the spirit until everything is a ten, there's a wholeness, and, and then that spirit begins to have dominance in the person's life in a very conscious way where both the soul and the spirit are on board with what's happening. It's a beautiful picture, if only it was that simple every time. Um, Now, uh, one of the interesting things that I've run into, Rob, has to do with abilities for the enemy to steal things from the human spirit. Uh, One of the things that I like to do, and this is actually a component of ministry to the human spirit that can be borrowed, I think, um, I will often say, I want to give you something when I'm working with someone's spirit. And I'm pulling from the resources of Jesus Christ when I do this. And I say, I'm going to give you a flask full of oil of anointing. Because everything that you see in the Bible, it, it's not metaphor. I mean, there, there, there are literal spiritual realities surrounding these things. There is a literal spiritual oil. And you can give it to a human spirit by speaking And I'll say, I'm giving you a flask. It's full of oil of anointing and it never runs out. And I will say, here. And the human spirit will often be greatly obliged and say, thank you. Uh, Very happy about it. And I'll say, you could pour it over your head. Well, it's nice and warm. It feels really good. It's scented because these oils are scented and warm and wonderful. Um, Rob's spirit, man. (laughs) has a flask of oil of anointing. I've and, and this is the funny thing, right? I've given it to people, and then I will come back weeks later, and I will ask them, where's your oil of anointing? And I'll hear the Spirit say something like, I lost it, or "I, I it was stolen from me. Um, it's really interesting. I've run into the same thing with armor. I'll ask a person, where's your spiritual armor? I lost it. It was stolen from me. Sometimes I hear people say, it's in the closet. <laughs> I don't know what the closet is, but apparently there is a closet and it has armor. So anyway, Rob, I wanted to let you talk a little bit about some of these things that happen with human spirits, uh, the ability for things to get stolen from human spirits and, and you know what you've seen in that area. Yeah, that the spirit
2: can be given gifts, abilities, weapons, armor, all sorts of things to be able to fight offensively and defensively or to gift them to do certain jobs. Of course, I've talked briefly before about the different pieces of furniture in the tabernacle and how the seven pieces of furniture parallel the seven redemptive gifts. So you have the prophet, start with the prophet, you've got the sacrificial altar, servant, the bronze laver with the living water in it, the teacher, the the table of showbread, the exhorter, the lampstand, the giver, the altar of incense, the ruler, the Ark of the Covenant, and the mercy, the mercy seat. So I've had people, I've had it like, let's just take example of exhorter. I've had people either, I just say to exhorter, you know, where's your lamp stand? And they'll say, well, I just don't have one. Or they have one and it's been stolen. So then we need to ask, Lord, what, where, is, where has the lampstand been stolen to? And, and what do we need to know in order to get it back? And again, it's a process just like just like trying to rescue a captive portion of the spirit or part of the soul. We need to find out where that is, and sometimes we need to find out the legal reason for why it was stolen. Sometimes it's just stolen because the enemy is just, you know, he does things illegally and he just does it. Sometimes there is a legal reason that we need to deal with it and and renounce and confess that but yeah I, I've, I've had journeys where people have have had different furniture items of furniture in the tabernacle stole it, I had a person who they, they only had the helmet of salvation on but they didn't have the breastplate of righteousness the the belt of truth the, the sh- shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace the, the, the sword of the spirit and we needed to get that armor back, and we needed to ask the Lord where it is and what do we need to do to get it. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things that w- we can do in order to equip the spirit. And what <laughs> I just wanted to share a fun something funny that with with young one young man I I work with, he he saw there was this in in his in his realm the realm of where his spirit was there was was a watcher uh, a watcher evil angel and it looked like to him a big eye so what i said is okay i said servant uh, i believe the lord wants to give you a big water gun and so uh, he, he said had the Lord fill the water gun with living water, and he shot living water into the eye of the watcher. <laughs> <laughs> so we were kind of being nasty and a little playful, too, and, and all the, uh, so I said, well, what happened? Well, the, that, that, he said, he did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I said, yeah, shoot him some more, you know, until we could, uh, we could get him a... Uh, you know, out of his realm and deal with the reasons why he was there. Uh, so servant, again, has the the bronze labor of living water. So, if, so I just I just have I always just tell the servant that hey, have a good ready supply of living water and splash it all around wherever you can go. Just be just be dangerous, be messy with it. Just you know, servant, go to go to town because you've got that cleansing anointing with the living water, and and so that you know it's hard to go. Th- through all I mean I could go through every piece of armor every piece of furniture every you know and there's other types of gifts that that he can give that I've seen but you know God wants to equip our spirits to be mighty in him and there's a whole host of of things that he wants to give us so they can be used by our spirit in fighting against the enemy and in building his kingdom. So just thought that was a funny illustration. There. Well,
1: it, it is really funny, and that actually does branch us off into like the reasons why you would want a strong spirit. Because a strong spirit is going to be able to fight against the enemy in a way that a soul just can't. Um, the spirit is connected to the spirit of the Lord in a way the soul just isn't. And the way that we operate as individuals sees a huge shift as our spirits become strong and empowered, whole. I know in my own life, the, the more I recognize who my spirit is and um, the, the jobs of the various facets of my spirit, I can just slide into a state of submission to that, to my spirit, just let him do what he's supposed to and it it allows me to operate in, in different capacities um much more effectively like i will sometimes be just drop dead exhausted rob i work with people all week long sometimes i lose my weekends to uh, engagements or i'm here or there doing whatever and then back at it you know uh, my, my and, and and so sometimes i'm just like really tired and i am still ministering and it's like well I can either try to do this out of my soul or I can just kind of check out and let my spirit take over. And, you know, when, when I just relax, I recognize we don't have to be tired to do this, but you can be. I can let my spirit come forward. He has more energy than I do usually. And like the profit portion of my spirit will just be very, very um, accurate and speak to things and cut right through to the heart of issues really fast. I don't need to work through things or wrestle as hard many times um you know you're trying to communicate something to someone they're just not understanding so you slide into that teacher portion and suddenly you begin to speak from that place on the inside which is your spirit but it's your teacher and they understand what you're saying when they didn't understand you before it's like (laughs) my soul apparently is not nearly as good at communicating as my teacher portion of my spirit Um, But I think this is going to be true for just about every person. And so when you realize that your spirit can actually dominate life out of the victory in Jesus Christ your spirit's connected to, you realize it's actually in your best interest to get a strong spirit, to get your spirit in charge, because everything gets revolutionized. Gifts get revolutionized. Callings can be fully engaged. I think people get confused because they think they're supposed to execute their calling out of their soul you can't your, your calling is actually woven into the very fabric of your spirit so it's like we as the body of Christ as we get strong spirits are really going to see a shift I mean across the board Rob at least that's what I think what are your, some, some of your thoughts on this okay well that leads me in terms of a maximum if you
2: want maximum power And you have any any kind of any kind of piece of uh, equipment, you're going to need to plug it into the power source. Uh, and we've discovered that there is such a place in the spirit, and that's called uh, Arthur Burke calls it the seat of dominion. I, I've also called that the, a seat of authority, an internal throne, and looks differently for each person but when somebody's when the portions of somebody's spirit if they're all around eights and nines and tens you know that then i ask true lord jesus is it time for their spirit to to come into the seed of dominion and what that looks like for different people is is all different for some it's it's almost like a ceremony a regal ceremony and for others, it's a very quiet experience where they just kind of sense it. And others, they see this pa- great pageantry. With one person, it was the seven portions walked in line with Jesus leading them. And they all had different seats on the seat of dominion, all seven separate. And the seat of dominion, we found it is located in the center behind the center of the forehead head in the center of the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And it's almost like that is the place where it's supposed to be plugged in to the brain so that the spirit, when that when the spirit's on the seat of dominion, plugged into the right spot in the brain, it's able to interface with the body and the brain in a much more powerful way, just like being able to plug in You know a plug into electric socket it's the same way it's like you want a powerful spirit it this is a big piece that it recognizes it's that it's been called to rule and reign with christ on the throne and that ruling and reigning it is it's like an internal throne and i've i've seen different things people's thrones some look uh, very legal regal and they're gold and elaborate and one person had all these gadgets on them, kind of like it was like all these buttons and levers, and it was almost like the cockpit of a plane, you know, in turn, and I said, you, you just let the Holy Spirit teach you one, one thing at a time, and, and don't be overwhelmed by that, because those were different ways for the Spirit to use their authority. And so that is a key part in terms of if the, when, when the Spirit gets strong enough, That's the next step that I want to see is the spirit coming into the seat of dominion, recognizing their authority and coming into the full throttle of that. And, but it's interesting. Uh, Just today, somebody that I'm working with is saying, well, I think my, my spirit is on the, the seat of dominion. I'm not sure, but it, but it seems like it. And then I get a picture, but it, he just said, my, but my spirit, the different point they're just really tired. And then I saw a picture of a very stiff throne, very kind of upright and stiff and not very comfortable. And the Lord then gave me a picture when he said, Tire-, I saw like this really comfortable lou- lounge easy chair type of uh, where you could just snuggle into it. Where his spirit would fit like a hand in a glove and it was very soft and it had like a massager on the back uh, for the spirit and there was different things about it was just like the ultimate chair that you would want in terms of comfort and I said you know what the seat of Dominion you know you think of it as just this regal royal chair which it is in which you operate in authority but it is also it's a place, I said, for this where you can, your spirit can find rest. Uh, and so there's all sorts of surprises. I've never seen it like that before, but it probably can change forms. You know, he called it like kind of a mercy chair, you know, because mercy's kind of like to chill out and be cozy and in, in the chair. So I say, okay, you can call it whatever you want, you know. So that is that piece. That dominion, then... Uh, it's like amping your spirit up, I see, when the spirit gets into it, so that your spirit has, it's like a real lurch in authority then over the demonic realm, and also authority over the soul and body, uh, so that the spirit then grows in that authority, they're, but they're, that position is very important first, and then they grow into that position in terms of their ability to fight so I, I try to train and equip their spirit to fight without me. What are you gonna do when uh, when you have a demonic force or some kind of some kind of evil spiritual being and they're they're attacking uh, well they don't have to wait for me. Their spirit can engage and sometimes it's a specific portion or portions of the spirit that engage and they can counter that and and get rid of that invading enemy uh, i and that's where you want to go you want to train their spirit to be able to do the job themselves now there's some high level things that you you need to help of another person for uh, but more and more you want their spirit to just be like hey i'm going to just kick butt and uh, nobody's going to mess with me, and so the the spirit has that authority again, under the authority of Jesus Christ, seated on the throne with Him to rule and reign with Him. And yeah, it it works. You just have to train the spirit to be able to use their weapons, use their sword. Sometimes I've seen different kinds of swords a a short little sickle type sword for for close combat. And I've seen the, these big double-edged swords really long for long-range combat. And it's it's just fun. It's just like a discovery. And the spirit just learns to use that new weapon and become mighty in God, become powerful in God. That's what we want. Uh, not just to do things for people, uh, to become dependent on them. We want them to become mighty in God and fulfill their purpose and destiny and become the warriors that he meant them to be. So their spirit it's that—that's a fun part—is to help train them in that.
1: Yeah, it, it's it, really it's very, interesting when you begin to look at it from this perspective. Um, even the spiritual armor, very interesting, because you know, in the in the Bible, there are two swords mentioned in Scripture. One of them is a Machaira, and the other one is a Romphaia. The Machaira was like an 18-inch dagger-type knife. Some of them had two edges, and the Romphaia was like you know a broad cutlass, two to three feet long, plus a foot and a half long handle. Um, and when you're reading that passage in Ephesians six, talking about the sword of the spirit, it is a machira. However, in the spirit, some people are walking around with these big, long swords. They really are. Uh, and you know, um, armor can be upgraded. It's another thing we've seen. Um, remember Daniel, Nikki said she saw my spirit with a whip uh, and Uh, some spirits have funny weapons (laughs) like whips and maces and, uh, all kinds. Oh my yeah, but it's true. Um, oh. Rob's spirit does have a whip. Uh, don't <laughs> don't tick them off. And here's the other thing. Uh, <laughs> the shield. OK, so in the the shield of faith is called a Thurios. It's like a long, big, giant shield. It's like four feet by two feet, um, really big. But I I've had it where people in the spirit, like their spirits are walking around with these little tiny circlet shields. So it's not that giant thing and, and so it, it's really interesting to see how it actually manifests in the spirit it's not a static thing it's not a static state um i remember when i was go- graduating from 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 uh, college I, I started to go to bible school and i was going to church one day and god was giving me a vision while i'm worshiping him in the service and i see myself walking up to this armor that i'm supposed to have it was really classy for the time. Um I, I don't think that's the same armor I'm wearing at this stage, but it was nicer. And I was like looking at it and God was basically trying to tell me, you know, Daniel, yeah, you, you were a hotshot in the church you were attending, but um you don't know a thing. So don't get in my way. And so what I'm like standing there in this vision. I'm looking at this new armor that God's trying to graduate me into. I'm like, wow. And then I realized that I'm wearing this shabby stuff. It's like tin bucket, rusty, old, like dingy armor. And it just like falls in a pile on the ground like, like it's embarrassed. And I thought that that was just an interesting vision or an allegory that God was giving me now at this state I think that was actually literal because I have seen people's spirits that are in that dingy rusty tin bucket armor when I meet them, and I'm like, "All right, you're you need an upgrade, brother or sister." Yeah, it's like the Tin Man, right? Yeah, like a you Tin Man. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. It's like it's like rust on there and stuff. Like where'd you find that? <laughs> <laughs> give, but, him some, uh, spirit, give him some spirit. Give some spiritual double WD forty. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! So um, now I want I want to get into this before you know before we run out of time here. Now there's this communication that's happened in the body of Christ, and this is also I think really important to discuss in in the context of everything. It's the idea that the soul is pure evil, that it simply needs to be crushed. It's good for nothing but destruction. You need to absolutely destroy the soul so the spirit can prevail because the spirit is filth it's and 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 um i don't quite agree and i know you don't either what is your view of the soul in light of the spirit yeah you know i i think
2: this all stems from some greek thinking if you get into uh, Plato you'll see that the, his philosophy was that the body was bad and the and but spirit is good and that could be then also translated to how people see the soul they'll speak well that you are being soulish you know that's a soulish action and and soulish will then be synonymous with carnal which is synonymous with then people really get it mixed up with the flesh. Some people think when the Bible says the flesh, they think it's the body or they think it's the, or they think that's the, talking about the soul. Uh, whereas actually that word, uh, sark is called, it's the sinful nature. It's not your body. It's not your soul. Uh, of course, it's definitely not your spirit. It's Paul's even says that sinful nature that does not want to, love or obey God that is, uh, that wants to do everything in its own power is not even you. That needs to be crucified. The the old man needs to be crucified. Uh, But that's not the soul that needs to be crucified. It's that sinful nature in us, which really is in us. That needs to be dealt a death blow. Uh, When Paul says, I've been crucified by Christ, it was no that what is being crucified is the flesh, the sinful nature. That is not redeemable. That is not sanctified. Whereas the soul, God created us, spirit, soul, and God and body, and all three are declared good. There's not this dichotomy that spirit is good, body's bad, spirit's good, soul is bad. You know, all of it is redeemed. All of it is it was once good all of it has been marred by sin and all of it will be redeemed completely including our spirits uh, first then our souls and then our bodies at the return of Jesus Christ we will get resurrected bodies uh, he never said that we are going to our bodies are bad let's get rid of these birth suits so that we can be an eternal spirit forever we will only be eternal spirits for temporarily until we get resurrected body our humanity is spirit soul and body that's what it means to be fully human all of it is good so the soul is not bad it's just not right it's not right protocol it's not god's mechanics for for living life if the soul is in charge and the spirit isn't uh, so but that doesn't mean the soul itself has to be crucified. What the soul needs to do is submit. Very different. Not, I'm going to take this sledgehammer and beat you to death until I don't feel anything at all. No, the soul needs to have power encounters and truth encounters with, with God so that the soul recognizes that, oh, I need to submit to the, Spirit, to the Holy Spirit through the Spirit the spirit of truth and that is the process of sanctification of the soul it is not the bad guy it just needs to know that it just is meant to submit and not be in charge anymore so that would be not crucify it but it needs to learn to submit
1: it's it's really interesting because you know it actually is a I would say a, a soulish idea to destroy the soul and make it nothing. And, and most of the people that would um, fight for this idea are not in touch with their spirits because right. if they were, they would realize that the human spirit is actually very interested in ministering to the soul. Yeah, well, our, our, our spirit is the part
2: of us that communes with God, hears from God and, and... And is able to commune and connect with them and our soul is the aspect of us when spirit and soul are in right alignment that expresses uh, what god has put in our spirit out to the world it's like our personality and it and god doesn't want to crucify our personality well i'm going to just uh, he wants us to be fully he wants you to be fully dan Duvall, he wants me to be fully rob ruckert uh, he want he wants us to shine with the unique personality he gave us in the soul, he just wants that to be under uh, surrendering to his spirit through our human spirits. But that's meant to shine more and more. not not. Some people said, I want to get myself out of the way so just Jesus can go. Well, yeah, there's a certain truth to that, uh, but it's not like we become nothing and then there's just Jesus and we're just kind of this nothing shell that he shines out of he shines through a specific facet of who we are with a specific unique brilliance color texture taste flavor that no one else can reflect but us because we our spirits and our souls have been crafted uniquely that no one else is like and he wants to shine his light through that uniqueness not destroy it Uh, he wants to redeem it you, to the people out there that think they they just got to keep on crucifying themselves, that is self-hatred. Uh, and that is only going to lead you into a cycle of shame and never to a victorious life in Christ.
1: Brilliant. Okay, Rob. Okay. I have one last question before we're probably going to run out of time because I think this one's going to take you a little bit of time to answer. But, um, okay. I, I want you to just briefly summarize a couple of the main points we've uh, dialogued about insofar as how the nuts and bolts of ministering to the human spirit go, just to you know, kind of put it in a nice little package. And then uh, tell us some of the go-to things that you will encourage spirits with. I know you, there are certain things that you like to do often, such as remind spirits that they are light from light. So as there's a whole list of things that you really like to uh, do in most cases. So I want you to um, give our listeners some of those tools and uh, phrasings that you've learned to employ in your ministry. Okay. Really good question. So...
2: The the four steps in ministering the human spirit, number one is engage the spirit, which we talked about, simply by saying, Spirit, I know you're there. Could you come out? Let's talk. Number two, to legitimize the spirit. And the spirit needs just to be awakened to who he or she is in Christ. It's all there, but sometimes we forget. So it's it's like a reminder. And some of the things I remind the spirit of is, yeah, you were made out of you know, the soul was made the soul was made out of the breath of God. He the the Lord breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul. The breath of God created the soul. The body was formed out of the dust of the earth. The spirit was made out of light. Your spirit is light. It's like God taking a little, little bit of his light and fashioning your spirit out of that. And I remind the spirit, you know, even if you feel darkness, even if you feel like garbage, you, there is the light there. We just might need to do some removal of all the garbage, all the, all the crud and stuff. But that light is there, and you are made of the essence of God, and no nothing or no one can take that away because that is your essence that's who you are the spirit recognizes that and it and it starts to believing him or herself yeah i'm not just a piece of crap i am a reflection of god's image his light i am made light from light and i'm meant to shine forth that light in the unique facet and color that God fashioned me with. I also remind the spirit, you know what? You are meant to take dominion. Don't be afraid about making mistakes, because life will go better for you when you take authority over the soul and the, and the body. So that's another thing. That I legitimize the authority of the spirit, that the spirit's reluctant about it or fears like it's going to make a mistake, or fears, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll, I'll remind the spirit of that. I'll, I'll remind the spirit of of the fact that the spirit is, has been designed by God to commune with him. In other words, it's like a satellite dish. You know, you are meant to communion with god and if you feel a sense of disconnection or cut off or it's weak it's only because we've you're either set on the wrong channel or that there's some some static some things we've got to get removed but you were designed by god to hear from him to see in the spiritual realm to have your spiritual senses they just need sometimes to be exercised and activated and to have some of the junk some of the wounds healed, some of the, the defilement removed, and we get rid, rid of that, and your spirit is is designed to, to live in heavenly realms with him, to commune with him, and then to bring that to the soul, to be able to bring that revelation to the soul, uh, so that the soul can communicate that, so the soul can receive that, uh, and express that uh, to others. So, Those are some of the ways in which I will specifically legitimize the spirit. There's other other things too. I'm just, uh, but I'm going to move on to the the third thing is instruct the spirit. And instructing the spirit is basically saying, okay. I'll just give you an example. Uh, I try not. To work with in DID uh, too long with any alter personalities. Now sometimes you just have to, uh, but I try to either get them to integrate immediately, or that they go with Jesus to a safe place or or to heaven for ministry. Uh, now you have a say. You have a person with a hundred parts. And sometimes you can do this and sometimes a group of part, parts go, but it can take a long time. The, the spirit will see how when I address a part, I I might talk to them and say, you, would you like to meet my good friend, uh, Jesus, or the Lion of Tribe of Judah, or, you know, whatever. And eventually they'll say, yeah. Because he wants to take you to a place where you're not going to feel tormented and, and you're not going to have to live life, and where you can just receive healing into a, in a safe place. So, I'll invite Jesus to come with his angels, and he can bring that part to a safe place. Well, eventually, I instruct the Spirit. I say, Spirit, you can do this. You don't need me. When there is a part in need, go, and you can bring Jesus, or you don't even have to bring Jesus. You can just go and bring the part yourself to heaven, to the safe place, to the place where you can receive healing and living water and bread of life and, and counseling and all sorts of things there until the time comes for that part or parts to integrate. So I instruct the spirit, like we talked about before, in how to be able to help the soul and how to be able to do warfare. That you teach the spirit so the spirit can do it on its own. And then the last thing is direct the spirit. That really needs to be from God because you don't want to get into uh, charismatic witchcraft in terms of you know, saying, Well, to saying that spirit, Well, you are, just say it's, say you fell in love with this girl and you say to that person's spirit, You're going to fall in love with me. <laughs> I'm kind of doing a, something that's. Uh, kind of really out there to make a point, but, you know, you don't want to direct the spirit in something that uh, is not from God. You want to make sure, but there are times when, when I have told a person's spirit, you know what, They're, your soul is on the throne, and I, I feel like you just need to kick the soul off and take and occupy it. Just, you know, you're strong enough now. You, I see you being polite, just kind of waiting there, the spirit, the soul, not let just kick them off, you know. And that happened because it just was the person was stuck, and it was just soul wasn't, but and it just his spirit. You, you just take dominion. That is your right. You have a right, and it's a little bit rough, but sometimes you got to be a little bit rough. I don't do that normally, though. Usually it's very gentle, okay, but occasionally. The Holy Spirit will give me a word, and I will direct the Spirit to say, okay, you need to go to this part of the body. It'd be, it, and one per, just one person, I'll just think of it, two, had a problem with their lumbar L3 and L4, and when we went there, that person went into a memory. There also was a cosmic being there, and we were able to deal with that when the Spirit went there. So I, I pretty much direct the Spirit, go there and find out what's going on. Uh, so there's some of that uh, as well so that's the four step process uh, of the human spirit we want the human spirit to eventually get stronger and whole and out of captivity out of either out of hiding out of captivity or out of spiritual sleepiness into a place of strength where the spirit is working like an orchestra in harmony with each other without conflict as a team and when that happens we then ask uh, true Lord Jesus is it time for the spirit to enter the seat of Dominion and some people I've seen it as quick as a you know a few weeks their spirit going there and some have taken a year to get to that point at that point the the spirit goes into the seat of Dominion and we can amp it up even more in terms of the spirit seeing okay where are the fra- fractures in the soul that the spirit can go to where are the problems in the systems of the body that the spirit can go to. And we deal with those. And there's there's even parts, systems of the body that parallel the redemptive gifts as well. I'm not gonna go into that because then it'll really make things more complicated. I'm experimenting with that with people who are very, very ill, who have diseases that are severe and, and we're exploring. It's kind of new territory. It, There's not a huge amount of success, but some growing success in the area of healing the body, so the body works according to its original design, that the spirit has dominion there. That's kind of the overview. In DID, you're gonna want the person's core, their original self, to walk through their timeline, and the spirit can help not only bring parts to the safe place, but retrieve parts from the safe place when it's time to integrate into the core. So I asked this, if you have to wait for every appointment to do that, say a person has a thousand parts, well, it's gonna take forever. The spirit can do that when it's time, and say so what can go to that safe place, can go to that place in heaven and say, what part or parts are ready to integrate into the core now? And the spirit can do that work on its own to speed things up. So that that's giving you the whole big picture of how I, I see the, the process does it go nice and neatly a b c d all the way to a, z not with one person i've had it, it goes all, it can go all over the map you follow the holy spirit it's not a cookie cutter uh, thing but if you if you had a general order of procedure that would be what it would look like it, until the person is whole in spirit soul
1: and body that's the ultimate goal amen Folks, we just gave you a procedure that almost never works, but. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's, it's really good. <laughs> it's really good on paper. <laughs> no, but the reality is, the reality is, oh, the majority of people that Rob is working with are not people that don't have a lot of problems. Same with me. Um, when I have sat down with some people that don't have like the bucket list, of issues don't have did whatever. Um, what Rob has described has actually worked pretty much according to protocol. It's like oh yeah, you know where maybe just one or two portions of the spirit weren't in alignment or weren't present or whatever have you. And um, but otherwise, it, you know this this is a real thing. What Rob has gone through today, it, there's a lot of effectiveness for it, and and it doesn't you don't need to have a hugely traumatic path to apply ministry to your human spirit in order to come to another level in Christ Jesus, another level of intimacy with God, another level of ability to interface with God's kingdom and all that he has for you and your inheritance in Jesus Christ. So, folks, hopefully that has answered a lot of the questions that you have. If not, well... You know what? Rob will be back. And as a matter of fact, he will be on the Fireplace Church in the future. Don't know when. Not setting any dates on that yet, but he's already been recorded. So we have those in our archives. And folks, there's a lot to look forward to. With that said, Rob, thank you again so much for being on the program with me. You are a champion.
2: Thank you, Daniel. It's it's
1: great to be on the program. I probably created... Even more questions. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure we answered some, but I'm sure you've got a lot more. more. Send them in. We'll try our best. We, we will try. So, folks, that has been Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall. We're out of time. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.
0: Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God. To equip you with faith in Jesus Christ And to unveil the truth behind the lies This program has been a production of Bride Ministries You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website you can contact us Access resources and support us with donations We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.